DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Time to bring in David Nixon, our BYU TV football analyst, former BYU linebacker. And he joins us right now on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. Hey, fellas. How's it going? It's going all right. Unless you were all geared up for the BYU Army game, and then you're, you're probably a little disappointed. Or are you over that by now? No, I'm so disappointed. Uh, I think I think, all, I think the, the fans and, frankly, the players, of course, want to be out there on the field. I mean, especially coming off that, that Navy game. You practice a whole week uh, in, in preparation uh, for the Army game uh, because you basically have a bye week built in, and then you have to take another bye week because of COVID. So... I tell you what, props to these players. I mean, these are crazy times. They're they're just on a roller coaster of emotions. I, I would imagine with with all of a sudden potentially not having a season to having a season, having a fantastic first game. Uh, then you got to sit out and kind of wait to see, uh, you know, practice for a week and a half, and then next thing you know, your game is canceled because of COVID. And now there's a lot of uncertainty of once again who you know uh, practices and meetings and how that all goes down. Uh, and the pro- now the protocol and, and how quickly they can resume. And it's just, uh, I think every day for them is something different. I, I'd be tough, I would imagine, as a player to kind of keep yourself mentally engaged uh, when things are changing every day. So what are you up to now, 350 uh, off the tee? <laughs> I, I will say my golf game's getting stronger uh, with COVID. Uh, it's, uh, I've, I've golfed way too much, yes. <laughs> Having the opportunity to golf a few holes with David, he can pound it. That's for sure. So, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't always go straight, uh, PK. But it, <laughs> I, I can. It can go far. Just sometimes to the left and to the right. Yeah, once we get to the fall, which we, you know, we're basically in, even us as media guys, you know, we have the the emotional, mental breakdown of what the week is going to be like. You know, we come in on our shows on Monday and we review the games from Saturday. Then we progress during the week. And you can almost like feel literally something that is unfeelable, but you can feel the momentum of working towards the week. And then I know for me, covering college football for so many years now, you know, I wake up on Saturday. I don't... I may, I may wake up at home, I may be in a different city, but I just have this motion, man, today's game day, and I, plan, I basically plan the whole week around it, and we plan the whole shows, all of our shows, and all of that has been interrupted. How, is, how do you think the players are handling this emotional upheaval? Because i got to think that that is just about as difficult as maybe even preparing physically. No question. And... Here's the thing with football and all coaches, you know, with for all the different type of coaches I played throughout my high school, college, and pro career, every single coach wants to get a routine put in place. And, and they all want some structure around the players um, so you can kind of anticipate of what's coming next. Uh, and you can prepare the same week in, week out, right? You hear that from all coaches that preparation is key with football. And, and you're right. Right now, it literally is changing every day. I mean, look at the Big Ten players woke up this morning and they realized we're going to play football. I mean, it's changing <laughs> day in and day out. And, and with the COVID testing, you, you can think you're good. And the next thing you know, a couple of your teammates test positive and you're shutting everything down uh, overnight, right? Um, and, and so it, I agree. This, this, is, uh, this is where Kalani makes his money <laughs> and all head coaches across the country because you've got to keep your players uh, engaged. You've got to keep them present. Uh, and, and you've got to give them some type of hope and optimism that everything will be okay. 
Um, and I think about this BYU team, I tell you what, if they lost to Navy in that first week, then you get hit with this news. I think that could break a lot of players because it'd be really, really tough to overcome uh, to, to now you're doubting everything about the season. I mean, is it even worth playing? We lost to Navy. We're all in one. So fortunate for BYU, they're, they're still riding high off that first win. The problem is you want to get back on the field ASAP and, and now they're not able to. So um, this is where Kalani, this is where Tom, I mean, if, if I'm Tom, I'm going down there to, the football, uh, you know, their, their first meeting in the morning, just reassuring them that you're doing everything you can to get that Army game uh, rescheduled. And, and you know, once BYU gets this COVID thing under check, uh, then they'll be off and running and playing again. So, and and listen, I, I think it's probably reality check as well for the players um, to realize they've, they've got to take care of themselves. And and you've got, you've got to wear a mask and, and you've got to make sure that uh, you're staying clean. Otherwise, you're going to affect your teammates. And that's the last thing you want to do, right, as, as, a, as a teammate. The last thing you want to do is is disappoint your fellow teammates um, and put your guys in, in some type of bind. So um, I, I think it might be a positive thing that happens so early on versus down the road, but it's it's a bummer. It comes off basically like I said a bye week for BYU after that Navy game, and uh, now come, turns into basically two bye weeks. The way they beat Navy and the fact they don't have any Power Five teams on the schedule and the fact the offensive line looks like it's so good. Do you think they're just assuming right now we're going to win the rest of these? I would if you're if you're BYU. I think Army's shaping up to be a pretty solid opponent, uh, and we'll, once again we'll see if that gets rescheduled or not. Um, but listen, this team knew they were going to be pretty darn good coming into the season. You had Zane Anderson, Troy Warner. Uh, you still got Chris Wilcox who's working his way back on the defense side of the ball. Um, a lot of skill and, and and a lot of experience coming back. And then on the outside of the ball, and really both sides of the ball, you had a lot of players who got hurt last year. I mean, last year, I think the BYU had to be one of the worst years as far as injuries go. And as a result, you had a lot of young guys who were able to step in and play and gain that experience, that game time experience. And then, of course, these veteran guys come back off their injuries. And so now you've got veterans, young guys. The whole team has this game experience that you can, they can lean on. And, and because they can rotate guys in and out, um, and, and you just have a more solid team, of course. So – you know, if I'm BYU, I'm looking at that, the way you played against Navy, and, and yeah, you're excited. Listen, we're all pumping the brakes, of course. We realize there's one game, uh, and, and there's a lot of football to be played, but you really do. You look at the schedule, and, and you say BYU should be favored now in every game um, and, and should be able to take care of business. But we'll see, obviously. I think that's why the, both uh, fans and players obviously want to get back to the field because – they want to be able to. The players want to be able to prove themselves that prove to themselves that yeah, we're, we're the real deal, uh, and and go out there and make it two games in a row. Um, but you need. I think all everyone needs a little bit more of a sample size to to go out there and say this is a team that can run the table or not. But uh, schedule wise, when you look at it, no question. I mean, I think from what they showed week one, this is a team that should, should have a lot of confidence uh, to know that they can go out there and run it. So during that Navy game, I had a friend of mine who played at the college level text me, man, I wish Kalani would stop acting like an adolescent with all the emotion that he was showing in the dancing. And I got to think about it, and I pondered it for the next couple of days. And, you know, Kalani, you got to be true to who you are. And you played for Bronco, and I'm not sure Bronco would have danced on the sideline. You know, that's, that's not something that he would have done under just about any circumstance. But as I'm thinking with no fans and you're on the road, 
and it's your first game and you're trying to get everybody going, I'm actually thinking that this might be the right thing because there's no other way for you to get fired up and be at an emotional level that you need to be unless it's coming from yourselves because of the fact of the unusual circumstances. So I'm thinking that I support what Kalani was doing. Put yourself in a position, you were a former player, obviously, as a current player. How would you react to that? I love it, and I, and I do love it. I mean, to your point, they've got to create the energy somehow uh, when you have no fans in the stadium to, to root you on and, and you create that. you, you got to create yourselves, and uh, Kalani was doing just that. And, and, and he mentioned on our BYU TV sports postgame show that uh, the players asked him to do that. The players asked him to be amped up and, and kind of go crazy. And, say, and so he said, listen, the players asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, and, and I think that just shows you kind of respect between the players and, and Kalani and, and vice versa. And so uh, I, I think it was awesome. I mean, yeah, it, it maybe gets out a little out of control and, and optically maybe it looks bad because head coach is supposed to be more stoic and more serious on the sideline. Um, but I, I love the fact that he's out there celebrating his guys and getting pumped up. And it's just a different approach. I mean, keep in mind, Bronco, he, he celebrated just as hard, but he did it behind closed doors. I mean, in the locker room, you've seen videos where – after wins, everything goes crazy in there and, and throwing water bottles and spraying and stuff everywhere. So it, it was it was fun, but it wasn't on the on the field per se. But Klein just, just left it all out there. And and, uh, and I think the players respect him for that and they play harder for him because they realize this is a guy that's not trying to be a different guy on the field versus he is behind closed doors and that Klein is who he is. And I think, I think players respect that. And, and like I said, I think he's trying to bring some energy to the field as well. This this, these are crazy times. I cannot imagine playing in front of no fans. I mean, I just, that's, that's the whole point of, of football. When you, st- when you take a step back, football is just pure entertainment. I mean, it's, it's a game you play to entertain fans, uh, and, and especially when you get to the NFL level, right? Uh, you get compensated well to do it, but you, it's pure entertainment. And when you don't have anybody there to watch you to, for you to entertain them, it's got to be tough. When it's, when it's quiet, I mean, it's a scrimmage. And I, Obviously, we all I, I played lots of scrimmages, and it's 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 fun, but it's not that fun. <laughs> and and these guys, uh, that, that's what the mindset. I mean, that's what the reality is. It's basically playing in scrimmage week in week out. So um, I think they're pretty excited to get home for the Troy game and and uh, play in front of you know six thousand fans, which would be nice. But uh, yeah, it, I, I love Kalani the way that he's celebrating, um, and you know maybe some people feel like it's adolescent and childish, but. I think it's the right thing, given the circumstances. Uh, and like I said, given what the players asked for him to do, and uh, they, they wanted to see that from him, and, and he's given it to them. David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, former BYU linebacker, join us. Of all the Broncos celebrations, the one I remember the most is at Cal when it looked like they nearly threw him off the sprinklers in the ceiling. He came very close to you know needing stitches, right? Facial lacerations. Could they throw Kalani that high? Kalani's pretty thick. He's, he's, he's a little thicker. Uh, but I tell you what, that offensive lineman you get underneath there, that offensive lineman, I guarantee, could push him that high. I mean, I think, I think it's definitely doable. <laughs> okay. All right, serious football question. Louisiana Tech's brand new to the schedule. Last six years, they're averaging about nine wins under Skip Holtz. So do you view them now, unless the Army game's rescheduled, are they the, are they the biggest, are they the best opponent and the biggest hurdle to an undefeated season? I think it's a toss-up between them and Houston. Um, and like you said, deciding upon what happens with, with Army. But, um, yeah, I mean, anytime you face an air raid type offense like Louisiana Tech, 
and especially for BYU, it's difficult, right? And BYU struggles traditionally with those type of offenses. So um, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. And, and I, I love the fact that they, Tom Homo's still out there looking for games. And even given, once again, we, the reason he left a lot of bye weeks open and the reason a lot of other teams left bye weeks open towards the season is because of what's going on right now with COVID. Uh, to, to give you time to reschedule and make up games. And so, uh, you know, we've been told that he's going out there actively, you know, aggressively going out there looking for games. And sure enough, we saw the announcement of Louisiana Tech. So um, we'll see. I, I think everyone's optimistic that he'll eventually fill out a 12-game schedule, uh, even though it might take some time to, to get to it. Uh, but we've seen that he's, uh, he's out there trying to make it happen. So I, I like the game. Uh, you know, of course, once again, we, we'd all like to see P5s, but, but you, you're seeing with the announcements, uh, I believe Big Ten announces more, and it's only an eight-game schedule interconference. So it's going to be tough to schedule those guys, and hopefully uh, bowl games still happen. BYU can find themselves in a, in a good bowl game and, and play a, a great P5 to kind of finish the season. But uh, in the meantime, you got you to play whoever they've lined up for you, and uh, Troy's next, but I, I like the Louisiana Tech pick and, and hopefully they can get some other good teams on the schedule. Not sure what the right word is, frustrated, irritated, inflamed, but if you were a Pac-12 player and you see what's happening and you just sort of alluded to the Big Ten coming back and the others that are out there playing, what would your emotions be right now? Listen, I'm a, I'm a BYU guy, and of course, you know, we, uh, we have this heat of rivalry with the U. But I honestly feel terrible for those guys because as a, as a, as a fellow athlete, uh, you train so hard uh, and you put so much time and energy into what is college football. And, and I feel bad for the U players. I feel bad for the whole Pac-12 uh, uh, because as of now, as of today, they're, they're not playing. Who knows? That could change. Uh, I think it would be tough for them to change given the state of California and the fact that you have, uh, what, four teams in the, just in the state of California alone. Uh, and so – I just uh, you you feel for them honestly, and I, I don't know if they can change course like the Big Ten has, but um, you know I, I I feel for them, and, and hopefully there's a way they can spark their season up here soon too, given given everything the Big Ten's explaining. I mean I think the Big Ten's done a good job so far this morning of what I've read, of putting material out there saying you know why they changed their decision and and what the what it looks like going forward as far as testing and in different phases the teams have to be in in order to to compete. So. Um, I, I feel for them. I hope they can find a way. If not, it's, it's a huge bummer because, like I said, you've got kids that, that have, even with COVID going on, we're still working out, finding ways to work out, finding, finding ways to meet up with their teammates at parks to run routes and, and, and be together and to be able to not, do the, you know, not, not have the opportunity to play while everyone else is playing. has just got to be solid in the wounds. Maybe I'm overly confident here or overly optimistic but when the commissioner says this antigen test is a game changer, well, that only applies one thing, playing. And now the Big Ten has, and clearly the Big Ten was under pressure, and clearly you don't want to be the only Power Five conference sitting out. I'm just figuring it's when are they going to announce it, not if they're going to announce it. Am I being too optimistic here? Yeah, I think, I think in normal circumstances, uh, that'd be the, you know, naturally that would be the case. But once again, I think you're, you're dealing with a, a state of California uh, that has so much sway and it has its own issues um, that, you know, I, I, I just don't know if it happens or not. And, and when you've got, you know, a, what, a third of the conference uh, just in that state alone, I, I think it just makes it super difficult to, to be able to move forward and, and have a full conference play when, when you've got schools in California that literally, I mean, the, the whole cities are still shut down. So 
I think politics, that's where it's a bummer that politics come into play here. Um, but I think for the Pac-12's case, that's, that is the case. So I, I, I'm with you. Hopefully they can find a way and, and, and maybe think restrictions start to ease up there in California. But until then, it's, it's going to be a tough sell. Um, and, of course, naturally, we'd all want to see it happen. I mean, I think there's now, with the Big Ten, they're basically trying to play catch-up, right? They're playing eight games. They, they hope to have their conference game, I believe, by the end of December, which lines up. To, to jump right into college football playoffs, you know, not have that month and a half that you typically have um, for, for, you know, have off until the college football playoffs and bowl games. They just basically sucked that up in this last month, month and a half. And so um, I, I think that lines up well, and hopefully the Pac-12 could jump on board. I just, man, it, it looks difficult given, given the circumstances, given everything going on out here in the West. You're a former NFL player. Uh, what did you think of the social activism on week one? Look, I'm 100% behind the cause. I, I, I get it. And I, having grown up in Texas um, and, and seeing things there from my own eyes uh, and then seeing what's going on in the NFL, I, I 100% support the movement they're doing um, and, you know, would stand beside them if I were out there on the field. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just difficult times. I mean, the crazy thing, we talk about COVID change every week. Of course, there's different cases and different video footage coming out every week as well with some of those police brutality and it's, um, you know, changing the way that these players approach the game as well. So it's something that's, that's ever changing and, and hopefully, you know, they can, all players can start to feel at ease more with, uh, with some of the reform and uh, some of the, some of the action that's taking place. I think that's my biggest thing is, Hey, let's come together. Let's, let's draw out and let's put out there some uh, things that we can all do together as a community and, and as, as players on the field, those guys. Uh, that they can do to, to try to make this a better world to live in, frankly, right? And, and make sure we are kind of one team and one unit. So, um, you know, what, whatever they decide and, and however they decide to do it, uh, I'm all ears and, and would be 100% behind it. So there are clearly people in this state, we see it in our social media, who would disagree with you completely. And you say you grew up in Texas and you saw stuff. Um, you know, the, the Jazz, I don't know about the local colleges because they're not playing, but certainly the Jazz have gotten feedback from fans and sponsors. Some of, they're, they're really upset, and some of the stuff that they've gotten back has really crossed the line. Um, but there are other people who are upset and haven't crossed the line. So what have you seen that makes you think that, that you could convey to people whose views are 180 degrees opposite of what you think? Yeah, listen, I just grew up in a, in a, I mean, even where I grew up in College Station, Texas, right, is, is a nice affluent area. Um, but I had I had lots of uh, teammates and lots of friends that were obviously African-American that, that didn't grow up in the same type of circumstances. They, they didn't have the same type of privileges that, that frankly, we had as, as Caucasians. And so, um, you know, they, they, they were kind of a step behind, if you will. Uh, and, and that's why, once again, I, I, I stand with them. I understand where they're coming from. I, I understand that there's years and years, decades and centuries of pent up frustration. Um, and, and that this is the time that they're kind of allowing it all out there. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with them. I, I understand where, where they're coming from. Uh, I know that some of these manners with, with, the, the riots and things like that is definitely not the right way to go. I think it's more of, and you've seen this come out from some people where it's more of a message of love and unity and how can we fix this together, not how can we divide each other more. Um, and so I think there's movements all over the place that are trying to figure it out that, that haven't quite hit the right approach yet. Um, but you look at these NFL players, none of them are inciting violence as far as I'm aware of. 
Um, and all of them are trying to, to find a way for us to be united against this. And so, um, I, I, I get it. I, like I said, I saw it firsthand and, and, um, you know, I understand it's a touchy subject for a lot of people. I mean, obviously I'm watching it play out as well, but, uh, I definitely don't take the approach of, you know, what are these guys doing? This is a joke. I, 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 like I said, I totally get where they're coming from and, and, uh, I'm with them. I mean, I'm with them to figure out a way to, to, to end this and to, uh, make change, a positive change. Uh, and, and like I said, I think the, the key word that you've seen out there is just love, right? I think, I, I thought that was really cool. What you did on their shirts. If you notice when they came out there for the Navy game, it was love one another. Was, and that's a common frame in the LDS, uh, culture with, with the song. But, um, I thought it was, I thought it was a great message that unity and love is a way that we kind of combat this versus violence and, and division. So, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it continues to play out and, and how BYU addresses it as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with them as far as that goes. David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, always fun, fellas. Take care.